absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan, and uh, we're doing a little bit of different podcast today. We haven't been... On top of things, much lately, life has been extremely crazy for Scott and myself with the opening of schools. And as most people know around the country, uh, the way the educational system looks now is completely different than you remember as you were a child or even from what you remember six months ago. So we've been head first on the front lines of that. And and obviously, it's affected the podcast schedule a little bit. So I'm going to try to be uh, a little bit more active, recording some shorter podcast episodes, kind of dive back headfirst into the golf world. Uh, and I got to tell you, there's been some amazing golf as of late. I mean, if you if your heart didn't start racing last week for those the last 45 minutes um, of the golf tournament, I mean, there, there's something wrong with you. I mean, we had DJ has been going off, right? So DJ puts in one of the best performances of his life two weeks ago. Then last week, him and Rom are battling down the stretch. The PJ Tour cannot ask for anything better, right? Your top two guys in the FedEx Cup points, the top two guys in terms of playing ability the last few weeks are going head-to-head. DJ makes some ridiculous mini-golf putt on the last hole to force the playoff. And then Rom, two minutes later, literally, for Eagle, drains an even crazier putt. And everybody says, including the announcers, hey, well, John Rahm has finally figured it out. John Rahm has calmed down a little bit. And, uh, you know, John Rahm knows how to win now. Look, people, John Rahm has been winning his whole freaking life. You're talking about the number one ranked amateur in the world, a dude who's never played on mini tours. Like, let's get that through our heads for a second. John Rahm has only been on the European and the PGA Tour. Right, John Rahm didn't work his way up, uh, you know, through the Sunshine Tour or the Gateway Tour or the Dakotas Tour and then to the Corn Ferry. Like this dude has been winning nonstop, and the win at the BMW just solidified it. Right, so DJ takes the first playoff event at the Northern Trust, goes into the playoff with John Rahm in the second playoff event, who obviously Rahm prevails in the playoff, and we're at the Tour Championship already. I mean, September 4th through the 7th, we're already at the Tour Championship. And and I'm telling you, from the moment I left the grounds at TPC Sawgrass to now has been an absolute whirlwind in the world of golf. To say that it has been insane is a complete understatement. Trust me when I say this. Um, Looking at the Tour Championship now, and if people don't know, the way the FedEx Cup is positioning itself to be the end-all on the PGA Tour. It's allowing players to earn points until the Tour Championship, and then we get this staggered field, right? I'm going to run it down real quick. I'm going to give you some of my thoughts and ideas on some of these guys, who can win, who can't. Um, I mean, let's be honest. The guys starting at even par really don't have a chance. Um, You know, the the best I I think any of those guys finish is is maybe, um, you know, T5, T7, and the even par group starts at Camp Smith, Victor Hovland, Mackenzie Hughes, uh, who made that putt to get into the top 30, Camp Champ, and Billy Horschel. 
Billy Ho, who is, I mean, here's, you want a trivia question in 20 years, like name the least recognized FedEx Cup championship, uh, FedEx Cup champion of all time. Obviously, it's Billy Horschel. Um, Billy Ho gets in, always plays well at the ending events, these playoff events, and he's in again. Um, he started at even par, but the man made it. I mean, you make it to Eastlake, you're one of the top 30 players, quote-unquote, on the PGA Tour. Now, we all know that not to be completely true, but for the most part, you played pretty damn good all year. And Billy Ho is a very interesting case because here's a guy who made no noise whatsoever the entire year, um, but finished high enough every week, kind of backdoor top 10s, backdoor top 20s, and finishes with enough FedEx Cup points to get into Eastlake. Uh, sitting at even par. The group right above them at one under, starting the day one under tomorrow, is going to be Kevin Kisner, Abraham Anser, Ryan Palmer, Kevin Na, Mark Leishman. Uh, my man, Lando Calrissian, two under, Scotty Scheffler, Joaquin Neiman, Turrell Hatton, and Tony Finau all at two under. Uh, pretty interesting pack starting at three under Paul. We got Brennan Tard, uh, Rory McIlroy, Patrick Reed, the X-Man, and Sebastian Munoz. Four under par, uh, Daniel Berger, Burgermeister, Harris English, Big Boy Bryson, Sanjay M, and Hideki Matsuyama. And now we get into the real competitors. Now we get into the guys who have a real chance of winning the FedEx Cup. And obviously, you know, you win the Tour Championship at Eastlake, you win the FedEx Cup. We've got Colin Morikawa, my pick, sitting at five under. So he's five behind. But I feel like with, uh, you know, the way DJ plays is such a streaky player. And trust me, he is on a hot streak like no other as of late. But the way that DJ plays, DJ can go out and shoot 30 under, and then DJ can go out and have a three-stroke lead and blow two balls OB on 18. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Colin Morikawa has a chance, but it's an outside chance. He's at five under. Starting the day at six under, and I apologize. I said tomorrow. I, I meant today. My days have been off for the last six months. Um, starting at six under is Webb Simpson. Now Webb Simpson took last week off. He decided that he played too many weeks in a row. He had already qualified for East Lake. His standing was not going to really be affected unless he won the tournament. And he sits four off the lead right now. And Webb is a guy that can eat Eastlake up. He's a great iron player. He's a great putter. Um, could really make some noise. And he only sits four back. One above him is, if I had to put my money anywhere, would be on this man, JT. JT sits at seven under. He's three back. Only one back of Rom. And JT is a guy that we also know is super streaky and has the ability to go low. So just imagine, just like last year when Rory had that 10-under that lead and he was at 10-under, it disappeared very quickly. Imagine a scenario today where JT goes out and goes 5 or 6-under par and DJ has a decent day, goes 1-under. All of a sudden, that three-stroke lead flips from DJ to JT having a, a two-stroke lead. Um, Rom sits above him at eight under par, followed by DJ, the, uh, the golden child, the racehorse, the lead horse, the thoroughbred. He's at 10 under par. Now, like I said before, I think anybody under, under five has no chance whatsoever. Um, but you can't tell me that, that, that Rory couldn't go out and shoot 62, 64 and, and take the, you know, the, the halfway lead. It's all going to depend on how. East Lake and the tour set up 
the course? Are they going to set it up to score? Are they going to set it up for fireworks and entertainment? Or do they want to see a DJ or Rom win because they've been the most steady in the playoffs? And do they set it up in a in a manner in which this you know every score on the day is going to be somewhere around you know two or three under par? We're not going to have these wild fluctuations, and the course is really not going to help separate the players. So that's going to be real interesting to see um, how it's actually going to kind of. Uh, you know, kind of work itself out. Now, the tour championship ends on Monday. It ends on Labor Day. So everyone's off. So we're expecting, you know, a pretty decent crowd watching on TV. We know that there's going to be no crowds there. And speaking of crowds, the PGA Tour said lately that there's no timetable for fans to return to the course. Um, you've got Jay Monahan saying that, quote, Given the consistently fluid nature of the virus and the way different communities are responding, each discussion is a different discussion. So you may see tournaments returning at different levels as we get into the end of the year and into 21. Now read into that what you will, but to me, that looks like the tour is kind of pressing itself towards allowing fans in 2021. Now here's a little unknown fact. The Corn Ferry Tour has already gone back and had their pro-ams. So the Corn Ferry Tour has been doing pro-ams for quite a while now, and obviously the PGA Tour has not. PGA Tour next week, or two weeks, is going to start up their pro-ams again. Now, most people say, well, why do you care about the pro-ams? It only adds, you know, four people per group, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And you're right. But what it does is it sets a precedent. And the precedent that it's setting is that we are allowing outsiders, right? We're allowing common folk to mix with our tour pros and the tour pros seem to be on board for this because you know what it does is it kind of gives you a a little bit of sense of normalcy now and and that's what everyone wants they want a little bit of sense of normalcy so you've got um you've got the safeway open coming up right week after this which is september 7th through the 13th in napa california and the Safeway is going to be the first tournament that's going to allow competitors to pair up with the everyday common man that can shill out five to seven grand for the program. Um, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what steps the tour takes to protect its players from you know these businessmen and these these people of industry that are coming in and, and playing with them. Um, personally. I think that it's going to be maybe an, an, an off-U.S. event that starts to allow players to have fans on the course. You know, so um, we go – first week of December is the Mayakoba Golf Classic in Mexico. They're selling tickets on their website. So for all intents and purposes, Mayakoba might be the first tournament in 2020 to have fans. Might we get something later in the year, in January, February? Of course. I mean, a lot depends on what happens with the flu season. A lot depends on what happens with the numbers. But if you're operating a tournament outside of the U.S., to me it seems like there might be a little bit more leeway uh, in order for the tour to operate and for the tour to kind of allow those fans there. So we'll we'll kind of see what happens. You've got – the the tour kind of thinks that the Century Tournament of Champions – on Maui 
in January is going to be kind of like their benchmark for allowing for January 2021. Um, but if anyone's been following the spread of COVID, Hawaii is getting hit super hard right now. Um, you know, I'm friends with Tim from uh, Oahu Golf Apparel, and the numbers are steadily rising on all the islands in Hawaii. And they were one of the states that originally had imposed one of those 14-day quarantines from anybody outside the island. So anybody from the mainland coming. So it's going to be interesting if if that is lifted for a professional athlete, uh, if by that time the numbers drop. But the tour is kind of shooting for that, for this tournament of champions. And it's a smaller field event. And let's be honest. I mean, you're not getting that many people in Hawaii in, in January uh, on Maui. You know, those crowds are the smallest to begin with on tour. So if they're allowed to and, and, and if they get to that point, that might be a perfect spot for them. I mean, that might be absolutely fantastic to only have 1,000 people on the course because that's probably the amount of tickets that they sell anyway. So they wouldn't even need to limit the amount of tickets that they sell. And then that in there sets a precedent. And you say, okay, look, we were able to successfully do this in Maui. And let's bring it to the mainland. Um, and we'll see what happens from there. But it's going to be interesting. Um, we, we've got this kind of, you know, super season that Monaghan is talking about. we got 50 tournaments since six majors for the 2021 campaign. And the thing that's crazy, again, is with this PGA Tour wraparound schedule, you have the next year starting next week. Like at Safeway, we are starting the 2021 campaign. And, and, and that's, you know, crazy to me. We've got the U.S. Open coming up in two weeks at Wingfoot. Excuse me, Wingfoot Golf Club uh, in New York. Uh, we've got the Masters we know in November. Uh, we've got the men's Olympic competition, which will be coming up this time. Uh, it's, it's very surreal. I mean, this is the most that the tour has had in a year, in a, you know, again, not a calendar year, but a tour year since 1975, where it had one more tournament, it had 51 in 1975. We're getting 50 tournaments. I mean, just think about that. It's basically one a week. So golf is flourishing. Golf is, is thriving in the face of a global pandemic and, and in the face of all other major North American sports as well. We all know it was the first sport back. We all know that the PGA Tour basically set the precedent on how things should occur. And while there were a few blips in the road in the beginning and a few guys tested positive for COVID, right? Camp Champion, one of those high-profile names, He's back out there now. Everybody seems to be status quo. And we don't hear about those numbers anymore on tour. Now, is that a concerted effort from the tour to hide those? Uh, it's a possibility. Stranger things have happened. But for the most part, it seems like the PGA Tour is doing a pretty damn good job of, of holding those numbers down. Some of the other odd things to consider next year is the fact that a lot of these overseas tournaments, kind of our Asia swing, if you will, are now being relegated to the U.S. Um, the CJ Cup and the Zozo Championship, uh, both obviously originally scheduled to be played in Asia, are now going to be held at Shadow Creek in Vegas and Sherwood Country Club outside of L.A. Uh, I don't know if anyone realizes it, but the courses at the CJ Cup are played at nine bridges in the Zozo championship over in Japan suck. So for us to be able to get 
those tournaments here in the U.S. and to have that Shadow Creek in Sherwood, uh, that's a win-win. Like, if this virus did anything positive for the tour, this is it right here. You're going to be getting West Coast time golf, which is my favorite because it's prime time golf on the East Coast where obviously Scott and I are located. Um, I can't ask for anything better. You've got some other changes in this 2021 year. Get the Bermuda Championship, which uh, was originally scheduled uh, scheduled for November 26th to 29th. Excuse me, it's next. Um, obviously, this coming November 26th to 29th in the week after the Zozo. That is being elevated to a full FedEx Cup point status. So the Bermuda Championship, which is always looked upon as like a second-class rate tournament, is now being put on the same plane as every other tournament that is going to give you points. I mean, it's like, you know, the Valspar, the Zurich, any of those um, now. So I'm hoping that fans get back for these little tournaments because when you elevate a tournament and you make the FedEx Cup points equivalent across the board, what does it do? It attracts better players. What does that do? It attracts more fans. It attracts more eyeballs. And now you're getting people that weren't paying attention to these alternate field events or these small field events because they just get kind of swamped with the amount of golf that's out there. And you get their eyeballs on it. And it gives you a different perspective to see a smaller tournament being elevated to the likes of, you know, a, a full field one of like a, um, you know, AT&T or, or uh, Houston Open or things like that. Uh, speaking of those tournaments, they are part of some of the five new courses that are going to be played on this year. We already mentioned Shadow Creek and Sherwood. Very much looking forward to those. Shadow Creek, you remember the site of the match with that uh, unspectacular finish chipping off the putting green there because they weren't prepared for it and Phil winning 10 mil and holding that over Tiger's head forever like it means anything. But Shadow Creek and Sherwood are two of the five new courses. Uh, The Houston Open is going to Memorial Park. And Birdies and Bliss is uh, is a volunteer out there. Allie's a, a great fan of the pod, and she volunteers out there. She has a great Instagram page. Check her out. But she was actually doing some, some Instagram Live a while back when Memorial Park was getting renovated for the Houston Open. It should be phenomenal. The AT&T Byron Nelson sticking with the Texas theme is staying at TPC Craig Ranch or going to TPC Craig Ranch, excuse me. That's a it's a you know a TPC course, so say what you will about it, but it'll show well on TV. But the one that I am looking forward to the most, playoff playoff extraordinaire, um, second playoff event of the year, the BMW Championship. This is now next. This is a year from now. Is going outside Baltimore, home of my man, the caddy himself, Dan Urban. Going to Caves Valley Golf Club where Dan Caddies. Dan has been on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's caddy on the PGA Tour. You remember him from going to Pinehurst with us for the Pinehurst trip. He's been doing renovations. Him. He has been out there working on this course with the grounds crew. He's been caddying out there. Just caddy for Obama last month at Caves Valley. I could not be more excited. I pray, I hope, with every ounce of my golf fiber in me that fans are allowed to see what Caves Valley has done, the enormous restorations that have gone on there, the renovations, uh, the upgrades are just through the roof. It is going to be absolutely spectacular. Dan's going to be there, possibly caddying. If not, he's got a hand in almost all the renovations of the holes out there. 
it should be absolutely spectacular. So I'm very much looking forward to that. So that's that's five brand new courses that we get. And you know what? Every year it's nice to throw some new fresh things in there. It's nice to to see some different courses. Yeah, there's that there's that feeling of um of uh you know home, if you will, seeing the same places over and over. The tour championship always at East Lake, the Masters always at Augusta. There's something nice about that. But for me, I love seeing some of these other courses. Maybe some that I have played, maybe some that I'll never get to play. But it's definitely nice to give a little bit of uh, validity to some of these other tournaments and to some of these other courses that are going to be shown. And the last point I want to talk about today real quick um, is the amount of money that the PGA Tour has been taking in, dishing out to its players, and the amount of money that has gone out to the charities. Um, This year... We know the numbers are astronomical in FedEx Cup bonus money. FedEx Cup is paying out an additional $45 million. Okay, say that with me. $45 million in additional bonus money. That is not prize money for playing. That's additional bonus money. Where's the bulk of that going? Where's a third of that $45 mil going? Well, it's going to the winner. The winner's getting $15 mil this year. So... The tour has always had this um, this kind of conundrum. They want it to be playoffs. They want it to be special. But no one feels like it is. And so the tour's answer to everything is money, right? How do we make the players an elevated event? How do we make it the quote-unquote fifth major? Well, let's give it the biggest purse. Let's give it the most money. Okay. People don't really think that the playoffs are playoffs because you can not win an event and make it to the next week. How do we make people care? Well, put more money into it. That's a good idea. Let's give them more money. And so we went from 10 mil, the, you know, the previous 10 or 12 winners. Now we're at 15 mil for the winner. Jay Monahan said on Wednesday, yesterday, that he anticipates no reduction at all in purses going forward. As the PGA Tour kind of uh, you know learns to work within this coronavirus pandemic uh, without spectators, and so the money's coming from somewhere, right? And the money's coming from obviously big businesses, and it, it's crazy because the courses and the communities themselves are the ones that rely on the fans. They're the ones that rely on people being there in order to take in revenue. Whereas the tour itself is getting money from the overriding sponsor as well as the television contract. So as long as we're showing them on TV and as long as the sponsors are still there, they're getting their money and uh, they're getting a ton of it. You've got um, $35 million being generated for COVID-related charities since the tour has come back. And that's a real significant number because – you know, a lot of people all the time, I hear it from other sports podcasters, man, golfers make so much. I can't believe that guy won, you know, 1.7 mil for winning a playoff event. And if you really take that in and you really think about it, you say, okay, the guy had to win. He had to beat everybody else. In this case, the top 70 players in the world, which John Rahm did, take the BMW as an example. And he won 1.7. And yeah, John Rahm's going to win five or six mil on the course. And let's say he does happen to win the, the FedEx Cup 
playoffs, and he's the FedEx Cup champ. Yeah, $15 million to that. And that's a damn good year. But you take another top sports star that plays, you know, 16 games a year in the NFL. And a guy might be making 20, 25 mil. But let's say he's hurt for eight of those games. Or he comes down with COVID and he's out for two weeks. He's still making 25 mil a year. And one of the things I really love about golf at all levels and the PGA Tour is the fact that they're the only athletes in a major North American sport that are compensated for how well they play. Now think about that. Your basketball, your hockey, your baseball, your football, the four major North American sports. You sign a contract, and as long as it doesn't have any clauses in it where if you get injured, you don't get paid, which you know a good agent's not going not gonna to navigate that for you, you're getting paid. You might even get a signing bonus. You take into account some of these rookies who have done nothing in a league, and they walk away with a $15, $20 million signing bonus for doing nothing but signing their names on the dotted line. You take a guy who finishes 100th or 75th every year on tour, keeps a tour card for 10 years, and maybe he makes $20 million over those 10 years. So I love the fact that in golf, these guys are earning by how they play. And yes, please don't DM me and tell me, well, well, Dan, what about their sponsors? They're getting money from that. What about all their, you know, promo events? They, I, I get it. I get it. But you have to play good golf to be able to get to that top position in order for companies to sponsor you like that, right? So all of it is dependent upon your play. If you take someone like Ricky, Ricky's a guy who, yeah, for all intents and purposes, might not be able to have a great year, but still takes a ton of money in bonus money and sponsorship money. But it's all dependent upon his play. Granted, he's got the look that you know that kids go after, or that marketing companies go after. But I tell, I'll tell you what, after three or four years of Ricky not winning, he's not going to have that anymore. If Ricky loses his tour card, you're not going to see Ricky rocket mortgage commercials. You know, you're not going to see Ricky hawking this, that, and the other. It's all predicated upon play. And while he doesn't have a major, maybe doesn't have any some big, big wins lately, he still puts himself in position to be on leaderboards and up there where he's visible. So look, when you turn when you tune in this week for the tour championship Friday through Monday, this is going to be something spectacular. I mean, it is going to be very hard, hard, excuse me, I had a Boston accent there for a second. It's going to be very difficult. I'll use that word instead. It's going to be very difficult for the tour to live up to the last two weeks. And if, if you were Jay Monahan, if you were in charge of PGA Tour Media, I don't think you could have asked for anything better than the last two weeks. So I only hope that with everything going on, that this week at East Lake delivers. I hope it delivers fireworks. You know, it's not like Tiger and Rory walking up 18. Um, it, that's not going to happen. But if we can get some of the top guys like Morikawa and JT and DJ and Rom in the mix, and maybe even someone like a Bryson or a Patrick Reed as the, as the anti-hero, the villain, and you got those guys coming down the stretch, and within the last three holes, we got a few guys within the you know two strokes of the lead. Like that's going to be something special. Um, I'm not a big fan of the playoffs. I'm not a big fan of the way they run things. But I got to tell you, this year particularly, the end has been phenomenal. And if we can get something close to that, I think it sets us up so well for 2021 season. I'm so looking forward to the 21 season. 
And I mean, people, the end is here, right? This is it. Get your FedEx Cup champ. And then just like the PGA Tour and golf, there's no rest. See you next week at Safeway. So either get busy golfing or get busy dying. The game of golf is more than a sport. It's a lifestyle. Blue skies, bright sun, the walk, good friends, and the shots that keep you coming back. That is golf. Iconic, vintage, classic. Eagles and Arrows didn't create the look. They've only perfected it. Eagles and Arrows provides the classic American golf look with a modern spin. Hats, gloves, club head covers, and my favorite, the vintage American carry bag, are some of the amazing items you can find at eaglesandarrows.com. Follow them on Instagram at eaglesandarrowsco. It's eaglesandarrowscompanyco on Instagram. Love golf, live life, eaglesandarrows.